0: So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can click to or turn with me to Genesis chapter 46 or Genesis chapter 50. We'll we'll actually be in both. Uh, If you don't have your Bible or electronic device that you have the Bible on there, uh, no worries. The scriptures are going to come up on the side screen as as we walk through this message. And so today we're ending this series on, on the life of Joseph. And we've entitled this message, if you've been with us, The Comeback, because Joseph was raised in a dysfunctional family. Joseph's family was less than perfect. They had a lot of issues and and they had a lot of trauma in their family And as a result of that Joseph was raised in a dysfunctional family And so the good news to you and the good news to me is this is that that we can overcome a dysfunctional family That we can overcome a dysfunctional family and live out the plan and the dreams and the desires of the goals that God has for us That we can we can we can overcome that And Joseph is probably the best example in scripture of an individual that simply overcame a dysfunctional dysfunctional family and achieved everything that God had had for him. And so to, to, today, I want to talk to you about this, this issue of, of like, well, the title of the message is defending the title. In other words, a lot of times, and, and if you understand sports and, and some other things, you know this, right? A lot of times it's easier to get to the top than it is to stay on the top. There's something about once you've you have achieved a level of success, once you've achieved a level of, of, of accomplishments, that if you're not careful, that, that you can pull back. You can get lazy. You can, uh, you can not be as disciplined, and you can get distracted, but there's something about when you're trying to get to the top that you're hungry, and you're driven, and you have these desires, and, and there's something about that. And so I want to talk to you this morning because it's all through scripture about finishing well. I want to talk to you about this issue of just, just what it means to be faithful to God through every phase, to every phase of your life like Joseph was. Uh, Paul talked about this in Timothy when Paul is in the book of Timothy, when Paul, Paul is mentoring Timothy Paul makes this statement to Timothy, and he says, "He says, I, I have fought a good fight, and I've finished the race, and he says, and he says, and I've I've kept the faith." I've just kept the faith. That was huge to Paul. When you look at Paul's writings, when you look at Paul's ministry, you realize being faithful to God through his entire life was important to him. Solomon in the Old Testament, Solomon in the Old Testament would say this. Remember, he was seen to be and known to be one of the wisest men of their time. And Solomon would say this. It doesn't matter so much how you start out your life. What matters is how you end your life. In other words, just staying faithful to him in every season of your life. And so Dr. Jim Conway wrote a book recently called Man in Midlife Crisis, and he pointed out that when we're near the age of 40, there's a tendency to quit on some of the early ideas of life. In other words, people will bail out of a marriage between year 15 and 20, or or people will get disillusioned with with their jobs, and, and a job that once gave them great passion and great energy and great encouragement. All of a sudden, something happens sometimes in midlife, and they become... Bored with that job, they're not as passionate about that job. The job that they once loved, that they no no longer love, uh, that is sometimes in the middle years. That people even pull away from church. Right? Uh, they saw church as a place to raise their kids and give their kids good influence, and then once their kids are raised and once their kids are out of the home, that there's this tendency to like pull back from from worship and serving in ministries and all of those other things. I mean, when when you and I, when you and I are at the center of our life, you will not lack something. To complain about, right? I mean, when you've lived enough of life and you're in the middle years of your life, there are plenty of things that we can point to and that we can complain about. And so today I, I want to talk to you about this issue of finishing well. I want to talk to you about, about being faithful to God through every phase of your life and the way Joseph did it, because I think there's some principles here that are very important for us to grab hold of, to understand. So the first principle is this: if, if you're going to defend the title, if you're gonna if you're gonna stay faithful in every 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 season of your life, the first thing is like Joseph. Joseph remained faithful to his family. Joseph remained faithful to his family. And here's the crazy thing. Even when his family was hurtful. Even when his family was messed up. Even when his family was difficult. Joseph remained faithful to his dad, to his family. And they probably weren't the easiest. Well, we know. They weren't the easiest to live with. They weren't the easiest to love. Fact is, we know that they made, they made life kind of difficult for, for Joseph. I mean, and so we pick up the story. It had been, it'd been 20 years since Joseph had last seen his dad. Remember, his brothers tried to kill him. He went to check on his brothers, and the brothers tried to kill him. They decided not to kill him. They leave him in a pit. They sell him into slavery. They went back, and they told dad, that Joseph, is dad uh, is dead. And then through a series of events that they come in contact with Joseph, we'll look at that. And so Joseph and his dad had not seen each other for 20 years. Dad believed that Joseph was dead. Joseph was always wondered what happened to dad. And so we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 46. And, and here's what it says. He said, he had sent Judah ahead of him to, Jodah, to Joseph to show the, the way before him in Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen, then Joseph prepared his chariot, went up to meet Israel. So, so just real quickly, Joseph's dad goes by two different names, Israel and Jacob. The scripture uses it interchangeably. There's all kinds of theories why. It doesn't really matter for this sermon. But, but he, sometimes it's Israel, sometimes it's J- Jacob. Then Joseph prepared his chariot, went up to meet Israel, his father, in Goshen. He presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while that's just old testament poetic language helping us to understand this is a tender moment helping us to understand that they both they they Jacob is meeting his son for the very first time after 20 years after learning that he thought he was dead and he wasn't and so it's it's emotional it is emotional and then Israel said to Joseph, now let me die since I've seen your face and know that you are still alive. So this is a real tender moment, but it's also, if you put yourself in Joseph's shoes, it's and there's a, there's a real cultural difference now between Joseph and, and his family. I mean, the, the last 10 years you look at Joseph and, and he's come, become the number two man in Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world. He's like vice president to Pharaoh. He's like the vice president of Egypt, if you will. I mean, he's, he's educated, he has culture, he is important, he's wealthy, he's influential, he's Egyptian, he lives in, in Egypt, he has an Egyptian wife, he has an Egyptian child. And so you look at Joseph and you realize that, that Joseph is much different now than his family. I mean, things have, like, really changed. And so there's this, there's this, this chasm, there's this cultural difference now between Joseph and, and between his family. And so when you, when you start looking at this, you realize that this could have been awkward for Joseph, that his family now is, like, coming to live with him. And so when you look at jo- Jacob, his dad, Jacob, Jacob was part of a despised race. And so just a little bit about this culturally, the Egyptians hated the Hebrews. I mean, hated the Hebrews fact is they were despised race to them they listen it was one thing to have a conversation with them but they would not have dinner they would not eat a meal with with anybody from Canaan any of that group of people. And so not only that Jacob had a despised occupation. I mean, he was a shepherd. See, for for Egyptians, that was like a detestable um, occupation for them. Uh, they they looked down on shepherds. They didn't like shepherds. They hated shepherds. And so it was like it was like a, a despi- not only a despised race but a despised occupation. And, and so now you're looking at this issue and how is Joseph going to going to handle his family with his wealthy friends? How is Joseph going to handle his family, with his wealthy friends, his educated friends, his influential friends, and, 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 and not only that, Jacob's father seemed to be a little bit of a—he was a whiner. Jacob was—I mean, Jacob would like remember this. Jacob would 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 try to manipulate his family but he was always whining about something. He was always complaining about something. And so he, he was a whiner. And so one of the things that Jacob would do to, con- to control his family emotionally and to manipulate them, he was always talking about dying. I mean, Jacob, ever since you pick him up in the story, in the story, in the scriptures, we're going to read some of that. Jacob was this guy that was always threatening to die. I mean, he was always talking about dying. Have you ever been around someone like that? I mean, you ever been around someone that they 're always talking about dying? Can I just tell you in my family listen we 're dysfunctional family and and I mean, but we did put the fun in dysfunction i 'm telling you, and so uh <laughs> And so and my family was like dysfunctional, right? And so I had an aunt Betty and Aunt Betty, I can still re- I remember this day Aunt Betty was one of those she was she would manipulate and control the family. she was always ever since I knew her she was always dying. I mean we'd get together for Thanksgiving, we'd get together for Christmas and we're all around the table and she has a new disease, she has a new illness, she has a new problem and she doesn't have long to live and so everybody's crying and freaking out and trying to take care of Aunt Betty and all of a sudden she manipulated the whole family because made the, everything about aunt Betty. I mean, she, I mean, for years she, she, and finally she was right. And so, uh, (laughs) that was probably totally inappropriate, but, uh, (laughs) I love my aunt Betty. She's the one that let me anyway, we just, anyway, we'll just move on. But anyway, she, sooner or later, you're right. Okay. Let's just move on. And so Jacob was this guy that Jacob talked about dying all the time. Look, look, look at this. We'll just pick out some. Uh, when, he, when he learned, when the brothers came back and they, 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 they lied to their dad and said that Joseph was, was eaten by a wild animal, Genesis 37, 35, all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, no, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. In other words, he's talking about dying. This Thus his father wept for him, and I love this, it's in the parentheses, this is gonna be the death of him. I mean, he always talked about this issue of dying. When the brothers had gone to Pharaoh to ask for grain, and then they didn't know it was their brother Joseph, but they, they, they met with the vice president, they met with Joseph, and Joseph said, you go get Benjamin, you bring Benjamin back to me, I wanna see my, my, my brother, go get him. And so they go back and tell, watch this, in Genesis forty-two thirty-eight that they had with Jacob. But he said, my, sh- my son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make, you would bring my gray hairs with sorrow to shield. In other words, guess what? You're going to be the death of me. Listen, he manipulated his family by this talk of death constantly, saying, you're going to kill me. Do you not know what you're doing to me? You Do not know how hard you're making life on me? You're just, he, instead of a healthy family, instead of simply saying, you know what? I, I don't want Benjamin to go. I just don't want him to go, guys. I mean, I no, you're not going to take... See, he could have died in a healthy family. Healthy families, it's, it's okay to talk about the issues. It's okay to say no. But, but Jacob manipulated the family with this issue, says, I can't let you take Benjamin. You know why? Because it will kill me. I mean, it, it will be the death of me. And then the brothers tell their, their dad that, like, Joseph is alive. And then Genesis 45, 28, here's his reaction. So, in Israel said... It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go see him before I die. (laughs) Just get me. You know what? You know, guys, we we got to be in a hurry about this because, man, it could be tomorrow. You need to get me there soon. And you know what it'd be? Real quickly, it's going to be another 17 years before Jacob dies. But Jacob is like using this issue of death. He's using this issue to manipulate and to control the family. Uh, Genesis chapter, chapter 46, verse 30. I mean, he is obsessed with this. And, 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 um, and, and, he, and he, he meets Joseph and he says, he says, verse 30, And Israel said to Joseph, says, Now let me die since I've seen your face and know that you're still alive. I mean, you realize he's just, he's obsessed with it. Genesis chapter 48, um, 17 years after this. All of a sudden, Jacob finally, he finally gets it right. And he's really going to die this time. And in Genesis 48, 21, then Israel said to Joseph, behold, I'm about to die. But God be with you and will bring you again to the land of, of, of your fathers. In other words, this, here's the lesson for us. Don't talk yourself into the grave. Don't be old before your time. And I heard the story once of a, of a little girl that, that wrote her, her uncle a note. She just wrote a note on a card, and she said, Dear Uncle Bob, I hope that you live all of your life. <laughs> I think that's God's prayer for every one of us. So many people, they just, they just kind of pull back. They just kind of bail out early in life because, they, listen, age is just a number, right? Man, live all of your life. Man, if you're still on this earth, if you're still breathing, if you still got got a heartbeat, God still has a plan for your life. And learn to live all of your life with passion. See, this is the problem with, with Jacob, but this is not, this is not the problem with Joseph. Joseph staying faithful through the entire through his entire life. And so, man, when, when you're alive, man, live life and live life to the fullest. That's why in Fellowship of the Rockies, we're going to continue to risk. We're going to continue to, 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 to do things that nobody else is doing, like taking, taking a church service in behind bars into the Pueblo County Jail. We're going to continue to do things like that because God still has a plan for our life and he still has a plan for our church's life. In, in Life Journal, if you Life Journal with us, we were, we, were, we were journaling through Colossians. Colossians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, it's not going to come out on the side screens it was just something personally for me and I'll just read it just real quickly it says walk in wisdom towards outsiders making the best use of the time let your speech man let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know you ought to answer each person In other words, this issue, when you walk through life, man, understand, see, see, Joseph could do this. He understood how to make the best use of his time, how to make the best use of every opportunity. And when you look at this, and we're going to journey through his life as we end this series, his speech was always seasoned with salt. It was always gracious, and, and you know this as believers, we're the salt of the earth, right? Uh, that we, we, add, we, we should add seasoning, and so I love salt, and I think salt is a good thing on, on, on food, and it can add seasoning, but you know what? Too much salt can be damaging, right? And so a lot of believers, I mean, you just don't season with salt. I mean, you take the whole bucket of salt and just dump it over somebody's head. And it like destroys them with, with and, and, and so Joseph understood this issue of what it means to be gracious even to a difficult family. In Genesis 46, 28, it tells us that, that Joseph like goes out to meet his dad. Now this is crazy. Joseph is like, he's influential, he's the vice president, he's busy, he has a schedule, he has appointments, and yet Joseph could have sent someone out to do that. Joseph could have sent an assistant, an attendant, or someone to go do that. And Joseph, you know what? Joseph, even as busy as he was, even as successful as he was, listen to me. Joseph still had time for his family. Joseph never got too busy for his family. Even though they were hurtful at times, even though they were difficult times. Man, when he greeted his dad, he expressed compassion, and he, like, throws his arms around him, and there's this emotional meeting. And listen, Joseph was that guy that wherever he was, everybody knew. I mean, he was influential. He had a position, and everybody knew, and everybody watched him. And Joseph knew, you know, he didn't care. He showed compassion and love to his, his family, and Joseph had time for his family. Listen, if, you're, if your mom or dad is still alive, man, when was the last time you called them? When was the last time you had a conversation with them, when was the last time you invited them over to dinner, took them to dinner? And I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side of this, right, like many of you? And I'm telling you, when my kids do that, for me, it is gold. It's just golden. And Joseph was this guy that had, had time for a dysfunctional family. And, 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 and then, then here's the crazy thing. Joseph introduces his family, even though they're despised race, even though they have a detestable uh, occupation. He he introduces his family to Pharaoh. I mean, and, and he knows he knows this is going to be socially awkward. I mean, my family's kind of backwards, and, and my family, they're shepherds, and they're, they're from Canaan, and Canaan is much different than Egypt. And he knew there was going to be this this, this challenge, and, and he knew that this wasn't going to do anything for, for his career, but he, he, he introduced them. And, and, I mean, you've got to understand the culture clash, and, and the only way I can do this and say this, and I know it exposes my age, but it's 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 like the Beverly Hillbillies, right? It's like the camp the clampets coming to the big city. Now listen, some of you have no clue what I just said. So that is what the Google is for. That's your homework. Get not now. After the service, get on YouTube, get on Hulu, look up the Beverly Hillbillies. When the clampets go to the big city, and you'll know what I'm talking about, okay? And so, and so that's, that's what's happening here. And so you know what Joseph does? Joseph, Joseph doesn't want his family to embarrass themselves, so he coaches them. Joseph first coaches his brothers. He knows his brothers are awkward people. They say things they're not supposed to say. They do things they're not supposed to do. And so Jacob takes his, or Joseph takes his brothers aside and says, hey, guys, just want to let you know um, the Egyptians, they, they don't like your occupation. So I, I've already told Pharaoh, and I've asked him to allow you guys to live in the land of Goshen, but, it, but here's the deal. Uh, I've told him that you're shepherds and cattlemen, okay? So why don't you not bring up the shepherd part when you talk to him? Just, just talk about cattle. Just talk about cattle. And so he didn't, he didn't want them to embarrass themselves meeting someone that was important. Genesis 47.4. Then they said to Pharaoh, We have come to sojourn in the land, and there is no pasture for your servants, flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. So they're, they're making this request. We jump down to verse 7. Then Joseph brought in Jacob his father and stood him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many are the days of the years of your life? That is a dangerous question to ask, Jacob. <laughs> Jacob, like, I got one day left. <laughs> one day. And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. In other words this, Do not be ashamed of your family. Do not be ashamed of your family whether they came from the country, they came from the city, where they're educated, where they're uneducated. It does not matter where they came from. It doesn't matter whether they use proper grammar or improper grammar. Uh, Listen, it does not detract from your image to be humble. I can tell you this, it does detract from your image when you are too good to associate with your family. Or you're embarrassed by them. I mean, Marian Anderson, just real quickly, if you read her biography, she's one of the greatest black singers that America has ever known, and, and, and someone asked her in an interview many, many years ago uh, what was the greatest moment of her life, and so they thought maybe it'd be when she got to sing for, for Roosevelt in the White House, or when she sa- sang at the Washington Monument, 75,000 people in attendance for Easter Sunday, and, 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 but, but she said none of those you know what she said she said the greatest day of my life is when I got to go back to Alabama and tell my mama that she no longer had to take in laundry that I'd provide for her Jacob's greatest day of his life or Joseph's greatest day of his life may be when I got to introduce my dad to Pharaoh to the, to the president and, and don't be embarrassed by listen do not be embarrassed by your family and Joseph, listen. Joseph understood what it means to be gracious. What it means to be gracious in speech. The, the second thing is this: is Joseph was faithful to God's plan for his life. Joseph was faithful for God's plan for his life. Joseph, Joseph stayed faithful to God all the way through his life, even after he he achieved success. And many times, that's when many of us struggle. Is not on the way up, but it's when we get success. And frequently, frequently when people reach some sort of success, that's when they kind of get uh, lack discipline and, and they stray and some of those other things. But, but when you look at Joseph's life, Joseph's life, he continued pressing into God through every season of his life. Even, listen, at a very, very early age, he hit the season, uh, the ceiling in his, politi- in, in his career. In other words, he became the number two guy in, in, in Egypt, the, the vice president of, of Egypt. And so he could never get the number one job. He could never become Pharaoh because he wasn't an Egyptian. He wasn't in the royal family. And so he knew he hit the ceiling, but he kept pressing. He, he performed his ability, his task to the very best of his ability. In Genesis 47:13 it says, Now there's no food in all the land, for the famine was severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished by reason of famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan in exchange for the grain that they had bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. In other words, Joseph is making Pharaoh like mega rich. Fact is, it's an interesting study, and we don't have time for that. But prior to Joseph, Egypt was a third-rate country. After seven, eight years of Joseph's leadership, it was now the most powerful nation in the world, in their area. And so the famine got, got so severe that, severe that people started selling their land for food. And, and so ver, verse 23, then Joseph said to the people, behold, I have this day uh, bought you and your land uh, for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And at the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four fifths shall be your own, as seed for the field, as food for yourselves and your household, and as food for your little ones. And they said, You have saved our lives. May it please my Lord, we will be servants to Pharaoh. In other words, Joseph understood these principles. He he cared for people. And he told them that if if, if if you'll take this seed, and if you will sow this seed, And if you will work your crops when when there's a harvest and when you get money that I will allow you to buy back your land in other words he he understood this principle he didn't give people something for nothing right I mean he didn't take away their dignity he gave them the ability to get their land back and save their dignity Joseph's plan for caring for for people who are poor in many respects is much more superior to our plan today because oftentimes we give people something for, for nothing, and we rob them. We rob them of their dignity, and they become le- and they become all these different things because of that, but history records. When you look at what, what Joseph did in, in, in Egypt, he didn't rob them of their dignity, and he gave them, he didn't give them something for nothing, but he allowed them to work their land and to buy back their, their, their land one day. The third and last thing is this, is Joseph remained faithful in a pagan world. Joseph remained faithful in a, in a pagan world. It isn't, when you, when you look at the cultural differences, it could not have been easy being a God follower in Egypt. Egypt was like, I mean, it was wheels off. Uh, they, they didn't follow God in Egypt. They, uh, uh, they worshipped idols. They didn't worship God. They worshipped idols. Uh, they, they were very, very immoral. Uh, Joseph had, had a lot of money. He was influential. He had a respected position. And he could have, he could have participated in the pleasures of sin. But when you look at Joseph's life, you realize that Joseph stayed true. In a, to God in a very pagan world. When everything was against him, or everything was against his beliefs, Joseph still stayed true to God in a, in a very pagan world. I want to give you two evidences of his, of his faith this morning. The first one is this. It was right after his dad's death. All of a sudden, you see some things in Joseph's life right after his dad's death that is evidences of his faith. Genesis 50, 15 says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, They said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil we did to him. Now, now, a little bit about the story, just real quickly. 17 years prior to this, remember, Joseph forgave his brothers. You meant to do evil to me. You meant to harm me. God meant it for good. As a result of that, I forgive you. 17 years ago, Joseph forgives his brothers. And then for 17 years, he's been living it out. For 17 years, he's been fighting for his family. He's been speaking graciously to them. He gave them land. He gave them cattle. Uh, He is meeting their monetary needs. And now, all of a sudden, they're worried that, guess what? Joseph is, he's been carrying resentment towards us. In other words, they don't believe Joseph has really forgiven them. That's what's happening here. Listen, if you, if you carry resentment, if you carry bitterness, you can even come to the place to accept someone's forgiveness, uh, to forgive someone. But if you still have resentment, you're still waiting for your opportunity. You're still waiting for that time to, to get even, right? Uh, There's a story about an elderly lady that had gotten bitten by like a, a neighborhood dog. And so she goes to the doctor, the doctor gives her a test, and the doctor comes back in the room and says, ma'am, I'm so sorry, uh, you, have, you have rabies, and so all of a sudden, she got frantic and hysterical, and she started digging through her purse. She pulls out a pen and piece of paper, and she starts writing out on this piece of paper, and so the doctor got concerned, and he says, ma'am, do you, do you, are you writing out your will? Do you think you're going to die? What are you doing? And she says, no, I'm making a list of everybody that I'm going to go out and bite right after this. I'm going to... If you carry resentment and bitterness, guess what? You can be silent about it, but you are just waiting for your opportunity to get revenge, to get even. So his brothers are thinking that's, that's Joseph. So watch this, verse 50, chapter 50, verse 16, his brothers hasn't changed. His brothers are, this. what I'm about ready to read to you, the note that they send to Jacob, this is a lie. And so here's what they said, verse 16. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave us his command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Joseph may have wept for several reasons. One, because his brothers didn't understand that he forgave them. You know the reason I think he wept? They never said they were sorry. They never admitted they were wrong. The hardest person for you to forgive... just telling you, and you know this if you've had to walk through this. The hardest person for you to forgive... is the person that believes they've done nothing wrong. The person that believes you lost your mind. They haven't done anything hurtful. They haven't done anything mean. They haven't done anything wrong. And no matter what you say... See, that was his brother... His brother, 17 years after this, after all Joseph was done... They still haven't said, Joseph, we were wrong. Joseph, we, we were wrong. And because of that, their brothers, they could not understand that Joseph had forgiven them. Watch this. We'll just keep going. Verse 19. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for I, am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about the many people that should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus, he he's the one that comforted them. He's the one that spoke kindly to them. And and G- Joseph told them, says, I, I just, man, I just want you to know, I, I, I forgave you. I forgave you 17 years ago. I've, and I've been providing for you. And so let's, let's don't be too hard on the brothers about it's hard for them to accept the, the forgiveness of Joseph because... Don't we sometimes do that with God? Don't we sometimes do that with God? We accept Christ. He promises to forgive us our sins, to take our sins and put put them behind his back, never to look on them again, not to treat us as our sins deserves. We know all those scriptures. But is it? And, And we may understand that. And God begins to provide for us and bless us and some other things, but then all of a sudden, either self or Satan brings up an incident or something that we did—a sin of the past—and all of a sudden, we begin wondering, "God, did You really forgive me? God, am I really totally and completely forgiven?" So sometimes we're we're just like the brothers that if we're not careful, we can go through that same thing. But the second evidence of His faith is right before Joseph died, uh, Genesis chapter fifty, verse twenty-four. And Joseph said to his brothers, "I'm about to die." But God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Thus Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here." And so J- Joseph had lived 93 years in Egypt, and when he died, he wanted to be taken back to Canaan. There's all kinds of reasons for that that we do not have time for this morning, but, but it, it was because he, he remembered. He remembered a promise. He remembered that something God had told him, that he should be buried back in Canaan. And Joseph Joseph remained faithful to God all the way to the end. I mean, when you look at Joseph's life, God, Joseph, uh, God was with Joseph when he was in Potiphar's house, and he gave him success, and, and God was with, with him, Joseph, when he was in prison, and he gave Gave him success. And God was with him when he stood before Pharaoh. And again, gave him favor and gave him success. And, and now, at the end of his life, he's still staying faithful to God. Genesis fifty twenty six. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. And they embalmed him and they put him in a coffin in Egypt. And 400 years later, in Exodus chapter 13, you can read it for himself, that they took his bones back. And he was buried in in Canaan. Joseph stayed faithful to God his entire life. What was his secret? I, I think his secret was this. He, he, just, he just understood the power of what it means to follow God. This last week, I've told you some of the stories, but with Brittany and the adoption and, and, and us watching grandkids. And, and so when grandkids are, are young, it's amazing how when things get out of control, uh, just give them a flashlight. You know, I mean, it's amazing. A flashlight can entertain a kid. Just a couple of rules: don't, sh- you know, don't shine the light in your brother's sister's eyes, and for sure, don't shine the light in my eyes. And we'll and we'll be like, okay. And so they, they the boys developed this game, and it was amazing to see. But they developed this game to where they turned out all the lights in the living room, and they would take that flashlight and they would hold it like this, so that there was a circle, you know, of light below them, and then they're running around the living room saying uh, walk in the light, walk in the light, walk in the light. And if they ever touched the darkness, they died and they fell over and they died. And so, uh, so that was the game, right? But I didn't care because you know what, it just kept them busy and they're not getting hurt and I'm not going to get in trouble with the parents. And so, uh, and I, I, I'm watching that and says, you know what, how important that is for us? Because it takes intentionality. It takes focus And just like they stared at the ground, walk in the light, walk in the light, walk in the light, sometimes that's what we have to remember ourselves, remind ourselves of. Just walk in the light. Just walk in the light. Just walk in the light. And stay faithful to him through your entire life. Would you bow your heads with me and, and close your eyes?